This is Thomas DePolo. This is Max. This is Kevin Ham. Hey, this is Jake Cook. Hi, this is William Roy. You're listening to The Green Box. lot of games out there in the universe besides Delta Green, but there are also a lot of types of games besides tabletop RPG. And we thought about this today. If you were going to take Delta Green and adapt it to either a different type of tabletop game from the one that it is, or to a video game, what would you do? There are a few obvious a few obvious answers and some less obvious ones, I think. And we can demonstrate these by comparison to other products that have adapted tabletop games or to original ideas? I mean, the, I think the obvious answer is you make an open-world action-adventure game where you play like an amnesiac uh, shapeshifter um, with like a weird arm. It's like pointy. That's the obvious one. So you're talking about uh, Killer is Dead? For the benefit of the listeners, Kevin is referring to a project that uh, Dennis Detwiller worked on when he did I didn't realize he was. I didn't realize he worked at Grasshopper Manufacturer. That's pretty cool. Neither did I. I guess that's where um, I'm sure we'll edit in. We'll edit in something really clever here. Yeah, yeah. Insert your own joke here, listeners. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna. I was thinking of like, what are the connections between Suda Fifty One's body of work and that? Although, to be fair, I mean, there are some. I know Tom recently played Sinking City, which is an open world ish action adventure ish game, right? I mean, so that's a pretty easy. You just. You just slap some Delta Green on some sort of Unity game where you walk around and collect MacGuffins and shoot bad guys. But that's not really, you know, exciting. Well, Sinking City, Tom, Tom, tell us about that. The Sinking City describes itself as an open-world Lovecraftian investigation game. And how did it work in practice? Um, in practice, it was a lot more like a kind of survival horror game between different crime scenes. There's a lot of trying to shoot your way through monsters and crafting enough supplies for bullets for your guns and health kits and things like that. So it's got a really good promise, but it seems like they figured we can't make everything part of investigation or mystery solving. There has to be some combat. So it's it joins games like Vampire the Masquerade, Bloodlines, and Deadly Premonition as having a good investigative role-playing core bookended by bullshit, broken, unfun combat. I don't even think it's broken. I think it's just really bland. Because if I remember correctly, there is a very large map, and they kind of made the mistake of just having a a lot more um, world than they had content to fill the world with. Yeah, that's not inaccurate. Like, a lot of the side content is you delve into basements and shoot your way through monsters and use your mythos vision to open secret rooms to collect more crafting ingredients. And this is not to say that having combat in a game like this is necessarily bad, just that you might want to to be a bit more intentionally designed because one of the things, other things I recall about this game is that there weren't that many different creatures. There weren't that many weapons. You couldn't upgrade things or get new moves. Right. The weapons, for the most part, were... They behaved a little differently, but because the damage output kept going up, they were mostly, like, straight upgrades on each other. You go from a regular automatic pistol to a thirty-eight revolver 
to a shotgun, to a bolt-action rifle, and then to a Tommy gun. And then the monster types are really just small and hard, small and fast and hard to hit, or just regular guy, or basically the pinky demon from Doom. And then you've got one that just has lots and lots of health. Yeah, it felt like Dead Space 2 minus the dismemberment, the monster designs, the weapons, and the atmosphere. But yeah, so what would you do, Max, if you were going to okay. make I'm a gonna, green game? I'm not going to talk about my first choice. I'm going to start with some stuff that I think more people here might be able to relate to. Um, I think a game that does a cool job of mixing a tactical combat layer with an investigative game is Phantom Doctrine. I think that that's a cool example of how you can you can do mysteries, but also have your guys go around and shoot people. And those are two things that happen in Delta Green. And I've not actually played this game. I'm basing all of this on watching other people and from this group play it. So I was hoping you guys could tell us more about it. I have not played enough of it. I think, Will, you've played more of it than I have. But it does yeah. have a couple of cool things with the corkboard layer. Yeah, and that's I'm glad you, meant, you said that, Max, because Phantom Doctrine actually was going to be my answer. Uh, so Phantom Doctrine is, I would describe it as, as an XCOM-like. Uh, you have you have a sort of a, a secret base hideout that all your spies hang out in. You send your spies off to investigate and tail and surveil the opposition, and then occasionally you get into direct confrontations where you have to using the turn like a turn-based combat layer, sneak around an enemy stronghold and try and steal documents and or kidnap somebody and or whack somebody and or do the above three, but then a bunch of goons show up and it turns into a gunfight. So if I were to make a Delta Green Vidya game, it would probably resemble Phantom Doctrine in a lot of those respects. I think I would go um, I would go grander. I'm a huge fan of grand strategy games in general. So I want I want battles to be resolved either automatically or with the option to do them tactically. But I don't want to just have the next layer be like a corkboard and a small team. I want I want like the highest layer to be creating a, a massive government conspiracy organization or dismantling one or creating a giant cult or whatever. So you'd have like the world and you play as either like cultists or any of the any of the conspiracies or the program or the outlaws or whatever you're making your own thing plays a world government or something trying to stop and vie for control of things with all the other ones. That's interesting. I would say do that, but make it a crusader Kings like where you play as a character who's in the organization and not as the organization itself, because the whole thing that made CK two better than any other paradox games was that it combined the map and political element with <laughs> the role-playing element. The, the stark condition of the playthrough is uh, general Fairfield has died. Yes. So does that mean you're a cell leader or a case officer or something? Because when you I can think play, you, know, things, you, you, you can you can play as a case officer for a or or like a, a cell leader of a three man cell or but all those characters are modeled so you can play as any of those guys or you can play as the leader or you can play as anything in between. So you can play as Forrest James or Catherine Oaks. You can play as um uh like one of the top Nazis in the Karatekia, you can play as um, a Shan possessing a guy in the UK, and then I want to be a I want to be a fake guy, a fake crime. Yeah, boss. you can play as 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 uh, Stephen Algish or one of the the other guys in the Fate. Yeah, I can I can see how this could work. You could make and 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 you'd have to have a very developed system for like going out and doing adventures and stuff. It would there would be probably have to be a lot of hand scripting of events. You need to. You couldn't just have like click. Whether you want to make a firearms roll or a stealth roll, you'd have to have 
some other kind of engine glommed onto the back to do the the combat investigation. Well, so stuff. so so Kevin, when people make uh, fan content for these types of games, or even when they make DLC for Crusader Kings, the way that it works is that there's lots of stuff that's handwritten for different events. Like if you want to be you know, the, the, the prime minister of Finland in 1901 and try to assassinate a duke in Poland, you know, the game can have like a generic thing for that. But a lot of the mods will have a specific scripted event for what the players can do. And sometimes different ones will trigger. So it's not the same on every playthrough. Yeah, you want to keep the, the, the events, but I think you'd, I, I would want, I wouldn't want to be able to zoom into a more tactical layer to do some things. And ironically, you know, the fact that there's like like duchies and and you know counties and duchies and, and kingdoms and empires, you just kind of rewrote that to be like overall organization, you know, regional cells, tactical team. I wonder if that would work. So I, I would want to. I mean, again, this is assuming like you know you have a green light to do it and a limited budget, or you could just put all your game designers on crunch all the time because they're not humans. You know, uh, then you just make whatever you want, even though it's you know. No, how how big would a Delta Green game get, and who would buy it? But it's fun to think about. I think the organizational management layer is an interesting one because that is there's there's the the Phantom Doctrine like which has or or the XCOM like which has the tactical combat layer and the overall organizational management layer because those games are about both making the actual shooting gameplay fun, but also what they attempt to do is to make the the logistical side interesting through stuff like choosing where you want the base to be or selling garbage that you find on your adventures to pay for things and having to manage personnel in order and you know if someone gets injured they you can't use them, stuff like that. I think you could also and I don't think we've mentioned this yet, but you could do a Delta Green game as a pure RPG, like a Okay, um, Underrail, Fallout, one of those kind of turn-based isometric games. For and, listeners, Fallout used to be a turn-based isometric game before it was a first-person. And I was thinking about this because those are games that'll have like you know hex-based or grid-based combat stats, stuff like that. You could go a little further and do it because um, one one of the things that I f- I thought was interesting about uh, Disco Elysium is that it basically has a very minimal system. The vast majority of things that happen in that game are just hand scripted. They're just ri- written interactions. There's not a combat system. There's not really uh, anything more than a basic system for doing skill tests. And so you could apply something like that to if you're not really interested in porting the D100 Delta Green system over, you could do your you could do your game just almost like a uh, like a like a point and click adventure where you're not putting points into stats in order to make your D100 rolls of firearms better. Yeah, I could see definitely an RPG, because then you're just telling a self-contained story. All it requires is a bunch of writing and good art, and you know, you're know you kind of there. And to take it back to what uh, we were talking about earlier, uh, Sinking City was released around the same time as a licensed Call of Cthulhu RPG, which was sort of the spiritual successor to a previous licensed Call of Cthulhu RPG, both of which tried to adapt the tabletop system to a first-person action RPG with varying degrees of success. I think that one that one did an okay job. I remember it having a lot of the same skills as uh, Call of Cthulhu does. 
But here's the question. I didn't finish it because it wasn't very fun, but the system seemed relatable. I would say that if it does, if it isn't fun, then they did a bad job adapting it because part of adapting things is understanding what doesn't work in a new context. I'm well, gonna. I just get bored by some video games sometimes. That's just probably might have been me. You didn't. Honestly. You didn't finish Disco Elysium. In fact, you I mean, barely started. You've seen it. me play. I was about to say you've seen you've seen me play Disco Elysium, and I haven't finished it yet. I, I don't deny it's a, a good game. But sometimes, yeah, like I just don't get sucked into video games as much. I don't as, have as much I patience as I used to for games, but uh, there's other good. There's other relatively good tabletop adaptations. Um, the the Shadowrun reboot had a rocky start, but did get genuinely a lot better as they released subsequent um, kind of new entries in the series. So, like, you know, most people will say that Shadowrun Returns is not great, but uh, Dragonfall and Hong Kong were good, which I would generally agree with. Hong Kong was really good. Yeah, Hong Kong was fun. Uh, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, uh, first-person action RPG, uh, ports some stuff over from the tabletop game. Uh, uh, very clunky, very... Um, it's, it's a game that you kind of have to, like, not necessarily have a walkthrough for, but there's there's a little bit of context you want going in. Most people recommend that you start with like a fan made patch, but uh, if you stick with it, it is a rewarding experience and gets at a lot of what people liked about the original product, even if it doesn't slavishly adapt everything. Now you tell us about Kingmaker. I actually haven't played Kingmaker beyond the opening thing because it didn't grip me either. I don't know. There's maybe there's just something about. When I play a tabletop RPG that's adapted to a video game, if it's not uh, like remarkably similar, it doesn't get me. Yeah, I've uh, I've waxed on the after show about what I thought about Kingmaker, uh, so I won't repeat that here. But go listen to it if you haven't heard what I said. You played Baldur's Gate, didn't you, Kevin? Three. Yeah, I don't want to just talk about it, games you played though. Okay. <laughs> I was trying oh, not just to saying, talk about t- tabletop RPG adaptations to video games of what they get right, what they get wrong. And Bundles Gate 3 will be good when they actually play, play test it and release a do, new game based on the feedback of the playtest. Otherwise, uh, you couldn't pay me to play it. <laughs> the uh, the type of multiplayer game I really like is any kind of asymmetrical uh, multiplayer game. So that's where like maybe you have like one giant boss monster who runs around doing things and a team of scrappy people who runs around trying to trying to shoot him or like the left for dead style. One person plays the zombie, you know, those, the, the special zombies and versus the team plays the team. So I think that could work with Delta green because you have two and I would roll on the aspects of scan called phasmophobia, which is, which I just played a little bit of. It is a, a kind of pretty, pretty much an indie game, but you basically, you're a ghost hunter, you go into a house and you have to investigate for ghosts and find clues and determine what kind of ghost it is and not get killed. So you have a team of agents. The first phase, or so to speak, would be investigating a map with some sort of procedural generated or some sort of randomness to it. So it's not the same all the time, different rooms or different clues. And you put the clues together in like a journal kind of system or a a cork board, and that tells you what you're dealing with. And then you have to use specific tactics to take down, you know, whether it's a Shuggath or a, a Marlene, you know, whatever the different, you know, the color out of space, you can't you have to use different weaponry on or whatever. And meanwhile, as you're taking longer to do things or screwing things up, it's getting more powerful. And eventually there reaches a phase where the player playing the bad thing who may start out just being able to influence you, like kind of like the house from 
the Delta Green. Yeah, where maybe they can like lock doors and like give you give an agent like a vision or something, and then as as they time goes on, they get more powerful and can do things like bust the sugar out of the, you know, out of the drain pipe and start murdering people, and it goes from investigation to to shooting. That would be super ambitious, but that's probably the other kind of game I would make. I think the uh, the other one that whenever I think of um, any kind of tabletop game and how you would adapt the sort of multiplicity of options into a, into a, a computer game. I always think of uh, NetHack as an example of how you can get, you can approach the level of complexity and like richness of options that you can get in a tabletop RPG in a video game. Like the way that the designer of that game, the, the, t- the dev team over, you know, 20, 30 years actually more than that, um, I think, has essentially ensured that every object in the game can interact with every other object in a way that you would expect based on its properties. So if you swing the corpse of a basilisk at something, you can turn it to stone. Or if you have you know, a rust monster and you fight an iron golem, the rust monster can delete the iron golem. And obviously the actual gameplay loop of NetHack, you know, going around in a basement, uh, killing monsters with a d20 to upgrade your skills is not exactly a good fit for Delta Green, but I love that as an example of how you can have a game that has pretty simple rules, but as long as you are diligent about ensuring that everything can interact with everything else in a way that it's supposed to, you can get something that actually duplicates the feel of a tabletop game where you know if you want to pick up the corpse of a fire beetle and use it to throw at an oil monster and set the oil monster on fire you can do that yeah and so like nethack has the benefit of not needing a big graphical interface behind it you know you can just pro- you can just work on all programming all the interactions and all the logic and stuff so that's all usually in those kind of games that yes. really it's solid. like it's like dwarf fortress where the focus is is always on this on the the gameplay rather than on the presentation uh, Kevin, since you since you were so incensed that nobody responded to your bit about asymmetric multiplayer games, I will suggest that rather than trying to replicate the entirety of Delta Green, the experience, you can instead boil it down to just a scenario of players versus a monster. Just do like the hidden source. And for the players, you could select different agents. You know, you could have like the one agent who fights with a fire axe and grenades and then one who fights with a shotgun and one with a machine gun things like that and then for the monster it would presumably be some kind of invisibility based creature or something that could hide in vents with interesting movement options and got to evolve itself for every player character it killed itself is a lot like that game evolve which was really good but never uh it didn't last long it didn't evolve past the early stages of its development it didn't evolve any significant popularity is what i remember that's why it died it uh, it really suffered from uh, wait no it's, progression uh, to the mean. I was I was gonna do a joke about natural selection. It was I don't know anything about it other than um, was that the one where you were the giant monster running around in the woods? Oh, was, was yeah yeah, yeah. was cool. Natural selection is the one where you like defend the ship against the aliens. Um, God, that's kind of yeah. yeah. It was it's a thousand uh, years yeah. since I thought about that. No. So does, do do other people have other video game type stuff that they want to bring up? Because I feel like we could um, go at this a while. I was thinking of um, uh, Telltale games, but like make them 
not suck and have the choices matter. Oh, it's so like basically a pure... just be like a choose your a choose your own adventure game essentially, but like as a video game, a pure kind of narrative thing in that style. That that would be interesting. Um, let me just take yeah. that and go one step further and say, what about a Delta Green Point and click? Yeah, yeah, that'd be pretty good too. Yeah, that's that's where your you get your um your disco elysiums in and your yeah. telltale games. But also, um, one thing I will say, uh, I'm not a huge David Cage fan, but I will give him credit where credit's due. David Cage games, in terms of actually allowing the player's decisions to affect the story, probably go farther than either of those things that I just said. Uh, you don't care when it happens because Detroit. Detroit. I haven't played Detroit. I'm talking about. Um, I'm talking specifically about Heavy Rain, which is closer, I think, in feel to Delta Green. But my understanding is that Detroit was better received. I haven't played any of them, so no. I just was trying to relate who David Cage was because I wasn't certain. What other games has David Cage done? Indigo Prophecy been... and that I one. I did about, play that one. And that one about the the lady who's pregnant with the ghost baby. I don't remember the name of it. Beyond the Two Souls. Right. Two Souls and Fahrenheit. I did play a little bit of Indigo Prophecy. Um, I rented it ages, ages ago, and there was some kind of problem with the disc because it was doing this weird sound bug and I had to return it and rent a different game. That is the only David Cage game I played. <laughs> Omicron, I didn't realize. Omicron was pretty solid. That's like 1999. But you guys you guys are thinking though um, in long, along, in terms of just, it's all, all of the development resources are put into uh, writing and scripting of yeah. the world. Yeah. I think I, I agree that I think that would be a very strong uh, format for Delta Green, Delta Green, Delta Green, the video game. Talked about some fanciful ideas, which would be really fun, but never get off the ground. What do you guys think is like, what do you think has the most chance to actually, but what do you think has the most realistic chance to actually become a Delta Green video game out of the stuff we talked about? It's like my grand strategy one is, is ridiculously ambitious. It would never work. Probably the safest would be like a, either a first person or a third. Uh, yeah. Either a, a third-person kind of action-adventure RPG or a first-person investigation horror game probably would be the safest yeah. choices. So something along the lines of either Mass Effect or Amnesia or somewhere in between. Well, a game that combines both. There you go. I was thinking what a Delta Green survival horror game would look like, and I don't know if Amnesia is the best base just because combat is such a big part, even if it's not a really good idea. I think you might want to look to Resident Evil or some kind of older design where combat's not a great idea because it consumes resources or draws more enemies. But I think it's enough of a part in there that you can't really completely cut it out like it would be in Amnesia. Yeah, Amnesia would be like, you're a Delta Green agent who's lost his gun. Yeah, I was thinking uh, for this hypothetical survival horror game, there's a short story in the collection Tales from Failed Anatomies where a Delta Green agent is captured by a ghoul, like the basement of a house. And I was thinking that might be a decent base for something, like where it's this whole labyrinth with all these ghoul dug tunnels and you're trying to escape out of there while the ghoul is looking for you. Claustrophobia is always a good way to establish a spooky, tense atmosphere. I think that you would need to do some stuff, unless it, unless this was like a pretty compact game, you know, it could be like a game jam game. You would need to do something to add uh, a little excitement because there's only so many tunnels you can crawl around while being chased by the same monster before it starts to feel all the same. So you'd have to do um, 
maybe something a little more expansive uh, if you wanted to make this into a full like product. Like you start out, yeah, you start out in the in the 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 ghoul tunnels, but then you know you can get to like the uh, the old chapel under the club apocalypse, and then you can you know just just have have more having more stuff to to explore. As I don't know, I guess I guess I guess the more I'm thinking about it, what I what I'm describing is less of a um, is less of a survival horror game and more like a uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a good of a good cognate for this. But yeah, as 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 a as a core thing, that's a that's a that's a uh, uh, a solid kernel to build off of, and that feel of like how how specifically and mechanically, I'm thinking how in that story the ghoul can't get into the room that he's in because he's got the door. Yeah, and I was thinking of it as being somewhat expansive. That's like a bunch of different areas to this house or mansion or whatever. Yeah. One of the- one of the things I was thinking is that maybe you're not the only person who's been captured this way. And so there's a mechanic where if you need a certain skill or uh, I had another word for this, I'm trying to think what it was. If you need a certain skill or something else, maybe you can eat the brains of one of the people who is captured with you. That's cool. And that would, you would slowly turn into a ghoul and that would be the bad ending if you ate too many people kind of made me think about one of the things video games can do really well is you're not bound by reality so like you could you could do some really cool carcosa stuff where like you're walking down a hallway and you look to the left to see something and when you pan back right you're no longer in a hallway because the game can just load you into a new space seamlessly and like fuck with your vision and make things make things different whereas in like a in a tabletop role playing game that's somewhat harder to describe that like rapid sense of things aren't like the they, they should be but video games can do that almost better yeah that's a good point there's not really a, as strong a sense of spatial awareness in rpgs like if you try to pull a trick like that just with narration it's entirely possible the player will just get frustrated because they think you made a mistake you're contradicting yourself by accident yeah or the player the yeah. thing that the thing that always happens which is you like you tell the player you see a staircase and then the other the other players like I go up the stairs and like no you don't see the staircase and the first guy's like wait do I see the staircase and like yes that's why I told you and the other guy's like okay but why can't I go up it and they and they it, that it makes and you have to do that for every single physical clue that you introduce into the game world is you have to adjudicate who sees it and who doesn't and here there's no problem how about this though um i'm gonna i'm gonna take the the initial question of what what has what what of these concepts has the most legs and turn it 180 degrees instead of what is the most likely thing to get greenlit just think about what the easiest thing to actually make would be like as an indie project and i was thinking uh something more like consuming shadow where it's the vast majority of it is in the investigative layer rather than the, the um, there's, there's not a whole lot of development resources given over to uh, like complex systems of combat and stuff. It's more about it's, it's, it's a combination of, you know, relatively simple systems that are then stacked onto each other. Like, you know, you drive around, you get the clues, you fight the monsters occasionally uh, you'll be asked to make certain decisions. Like, do I want to answer this phone call? Do I want to drive around this obstacle in the road, try and plow through it? And that was something that was made by, I think, a pretty small team, like one or two guys. Yeah, any of the any of the more narrative, or not as the more narrative, but like the shorter, smaller, condensed, or like RPG or RPG style ones, where you just, you know, mostly content is just dialogue trees and stuff, would be simpler than having to do like a programmed open world, you know, thing. 
you know, the one thing we haven't talked about is an MMO, which is honestly something we've already had a pretty close to Delta Green MMO. If it's the one I'm thinking of, there is one yeah. that is very close to Delta Green. Yeah, so I mean, there was a Secret World, and there was a re-release of it, which was just basically just a generic, a generic MMO like any other MMO out there. But you know, it was set in modern times with all sorts of interesting, you know, conspiracy stuff and quests along those yeah, lines. It doesn't have Majestic Twelve, but there is literally one faction is the Illuminati that which you could play as. So I mean, you, that would be not easy to do because MMOs are a ton of work. But like that'd be a pretty, you know, every every oh. character you level up, you, you you do random quests, you have raids and dungeons, Bing Bang, Bobby Uncle, MMOs done. Give me the money. Oh yeah, it would be easy to make, but the tricky part would be getting enough people to pay for the servers. Anybody can make an MMO. The trick is making an MMO, an MMO that sticks around and turns a profit. Because that's the people who did the uh, Matrix MMO. <laughs> still, fucking... still salty that there's content in that canon that if you don't know like you miss out on that stuff i just recently learned about that i didn't play the game and it pissed me off <laughs> the game was actually i mean like, for time it was good okay just we could just spoil it i guess like morpheus is dead he, he doesn't die on screen or anything he dies in the freaking matrix online video game anyway um yeah delta green mmo could be done would be difficult probably i i would expect it would go the way of many MMOs have cropped up in recent years, which is it'd be a subscription model for the first like two or three years. Then it would go free to play because subscription is just not sustainable. Yeah. You gotta be really, really, really worth it for a subscription. Agreed. Yeah. But I mean, maybe it's just such a niche. Like, yeah. It's if you were going to make a game about government agents fighting monsters, you're better off not using Delta green and using something more generic. Cause you have mm-hmm. access to stuff. Unfortunately. Didn't one of you guys, have an idea for like a delta green miniatures game uh i briefly explored the concept with jake about a year or two ago nobody showed up for the first play test so we kind of canned it but it's still there it's called rhino team and it's basically an XCOM like where you have your guys it there's like a management layer where you have to um recruit people to delta green and if they get injured or whatever, or if you deploy them on missions, you can't do other stuff with them. And then there's the actual gameplay, which is a radically simplified version of the Delta Green rules where there aren't so many skills and doing sand tests and stuff is much easier. And you send those guys around the map to explore things. And there's like a vague... Because um, one thing that war games will have is they'll have a command and control system where you can't just always tell your guys to do whatever you want, whatever you want. So... Uh, if there's ever a situation where a guy wouldn't know what to do, you have to make an intelligence test in order to move him to see if they know what to do in that situation. And then once you pass it, you don't have to roll every turn, but it models how people who don't know what the fuck's going on will freeze up when the shooting starts. Going back to what we talked about earlier, how you know, you've know you got your Crusader King-style RPG elements, you could it could be a war game where you actually control a guy and the rest of your cell or working group or whatever are indirectly controlled by you through your ability to communicate with them. And now I'm wondering what distinguishes that from just playing regular Delta Green and having NPCs that sometimes do what you tell them. That could work as either a small, more time style, like squad warband size, or it could work, could probably scale up and work as something bigger with interesting interesting vehicles in some like, you know, end of the world scenario, you know, Delta Green, Hyper War, whatever, with different armies, it could be kind of neat too. Well, so what about um, if we're not talking video games? What about like, what would you guys do for like a Delta Green game that isn't a computer game? Well, like a I, uh, yeah. Well, so I have fond memories of the Vampire the Masquerade card game. 
Just the mechanics were pretty good, and you could totally do Delta Green as an interesting, you know, competitive card game. You have, you know, you have a random mission that gets drawn, and then two teams, either you fight the mission or two teams fight each other and the mission, and, you know, you play your cards and get your clues and fight the things and roll dice. And You know what? I think I whatever. have a Call of Cthulhu card game that I must have picked up at Gen Con. I've never opened it, but... <laughs> I'll take, a, I'll take a look at that, and then and then maybe may, 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 maybe a hypothetical Delta Green card game could follow a similar format. Certainly, um, I think we we mentioned Eldritch Horror once or twice on the show, haven't we? Oh, sure, it's one of my favorites. Yeah. So, so quick it summary for yeah, quick quick summary for uh, listeners who might not be familiar. Eldritch Horror and Arkham Horror are both cooperative uh, board games where you play a bunch of a bunch of plucky investigators and you go around and you solve a mythos mystery. Like you say, Kevin, it really doesn't need much much adjustment to turn that into a Delta Green game, uh, into a Delta Green board game. So yeah, so that would be a simple. You know, IP problems aside, you could release a Delta Green expansion that's just maybe another board a couple new investigators uh a couple new cards for like the a few of the decks and you're basically there yeah pretty much it wouldn't have to change much make make it the u.s don't make it the whole world yeah actually maybe maybe you're on maybe that's a good idea maybe zoom in on on the united states and just have the have the mystery you know unfold like north north america maybe option to go to hawaii and alaska since there's some there's some like Alaska stuff in the Delta Green content, like um, Black Cod Island would be cool. But yeah, like you know, America, North America ish. You certainly could do a globe-spanning Delta Green board game investigation, but that would uh, well, it's, there's no reason you can't do that as a Delta Green the RPG thing. It just usually doesn't happen. The only suggesting is if if you were trying to do it on the cheap, you wouldn't need to release a board or rules. You just release yeah. At least the, the the cards, investigators, you know, a few minis, and then you're you're there already. Use the Elder Elder Tor base, yeah. Which again, I mean, IP wise, God, lawyers would be lining up out the door to suit you. But I like it because the resolution mechanic is simple. There, there there's you got your um your Elder Tor board game, but uh, there's there's the the Arkham Horror card game, which all I've heard is how great it is, and you know how it's about. Like you have missions that are it's it's one it's the classic like you get on the treadmill of expansions where each of the packs is like a new adventure to go on and obviously you can't play an adventure more than once or twice before you know all the twists and turns and you've got characters and abilities and each adventure is like a different it's basically different it's basically a different module from you know your Call of Cthulhu or whatever and very easy to just retheme that to Delta Green because it's got your classic building blocks of like, well, you can investigate things, you can use magic spells, you can just blast things with a gun, you can manage your resources. And one of the one of the cool things that um, about this game apparently is that it's not so much about just oh, you die in the first in the first twenty minutes of play because you got a bad draw. It's you'll probably make it to the end, but depending on how well you did, you might just completely fail to stop the monster from eating all the children or summoning. The ghost or whatever it is. It's kind of like um, House on Betrayal, the House on the Hill, or Betrayal at Haunted Hill House, whatever it is. Ha- haunting at the Betrayal on the Hill. No. Yeah, I know the one you mean. We were so betrayed that I, I turned around and looked at it. It's Betrayal betrayal at House on the Hill. There's no haunting involved? No. Not in the name, at least. Mm-hmm. Remember, remember I brought that to Gen Con and we yeah, had we to like that. download... We had to download the instructions because I bought like a cheap secondhand copy in the instructions. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I remember when we played at Gen Con that I bodied everyone because I fucking broke the action economy with that stupid dog that didn't actually work <laughs> the way we thought it did. It's just like uh, having a dog character in Delta Green, so it's yeah. a track. It be a it's good just Delta it's Green a free thing. action. <laughs> I was the best at betraying the house on the dog on the hill. That was haunted. Yeah. I um the hole in the log at the bottom of the sea. Yeah, I've I've never been like a big board game guy. Um, I'm wondering though, maybe with Delta Green, if there's a way to do it, not so much as like a dudes on a map game, but maybe something more like Kevin was mentioning earlier, with a layer of abstraction and it being more about the 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 management sim slash character type thing. Stuff. You, you have cards in your hand that are agents, and you say, I gotta defeat, I need to send these three agents on this mission, and I'll, you know, tap them to do that. I think, busy I think or whatever. it would be fun as an adversarial co op game where if, like, you know, the old ones rise, you all lose, but beyond that, you wanna make sure that you conserve your resources while making the other guy look bad. It's like, um, like laundry or like SCP or any of that where they're more invested in killing each other than solving the problem. Yeah, well, there's a neat idea that a lot of games do like kind of go the other way. You could you could do you could do it where you're adversarial with each other until the big bad is powerful enough that you have to join forces. But then there's also like a prisoner's dilemma style thing where you know one way to win is to both kill it, but a better win, way more risky, is to kill it and them. But if they both try it, then it wins. So you could have an interesting mechanic there. So I guess what we're trying to say is if you're if you're out there game developers and you have more money than sense you can sponsor the greenbacks podcast and we'll uh we'll give you a video game treatment it's bound to lose you money well when i joke about having podcast sponsors that's that's not okay but when when kevin kevin talks about it that's fine